This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm an emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about the use of medical cannabis in veterinary medicine. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Hi, Dr. Justine Lee. You know what I love? I love my cat Lola because she is so tolerant of my human kid, who's a toddler, whenever he tries to pick her up. But you know what I don't love? Cleaning up after Lola's litter box, which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no clouds of nasties when I scoop. It's 100% dust-free, free of heavy perfumes, and helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm excited to have Steven Seitel on, who is a VTS, which means he's a veterinary technician specialist and registered veterinary technician who is an expert in the field of medical cannabis. Now, he happened to found the Veterinary Cannabis Academy, and he's also a consultant for LVET Sciences, which is a company that actually is making medical cannabis available to veterinary patients. Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time to be on today's show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So this is a super hot topic right now, and people are probably wondering, what does this have to do with ER vet? And I will say, (laughs) as an emergency critical care specialist, I do see marijuana poisoning all the time in dogs, rarely ever in cats. And this can be poisonous, but this is totally different from medical cannabis. So while I can see poisoning from THC itself, I wanted to bring someone on to be able to talk about the use of medicinal marijuana or even medicinal cannabis, because I think this is a topic that a lot of pet owners are interested in. First of all, can you tell us the difference? What's the difference between pot and cannabis and what some of these companies are providing to pet owners? Yeah, absolutely. And this is the first most important definition we need to understand as pet owners and practitioners is a difference between something like marijuana and something from a hemp plant. Marijuana is a plant that has a lot of THC. So it's certainly the thing that we expect to see marijuana toxicity or toxicosis from because that molecule in particular, THC, can cause some pretty significant side effects in animals that we don't necessarily want to see. And then we also have the hemp plant, which is high in things like CBD and other things called cannabinoids in them, which human medicine and veterinary medicine is looking at very closely as a new therapeutic option for several different disease processes. We also have to understand with the two different types of plants that we're talking about, marijuana and hemp, 
I often use the term cannabis as as kind of a catch-all for marijuana and hemp. So when I say cannabis, I'm usually talking about both things or or one plant in that same genus of of plants. The other thing that we need to understand is marijuana is still illegal at the federal level and is definitely something that veterinarians should be cautious about talking about with pet owners. So if you're a pet owner and you're, you're wanting to talk about medical marijuana with a, a veterinarian, there may be some hesitation. And that's because there are some pretty strict laws and some potential for them to even lose their license. So we have to be very cautious. When it comes to hemp, we have a different understanding of laws. Um, at the federal level, we recently had hemp and its derivatives, its things from it, like CBD, be removed from what's called the Controlled Substance Act which technically, at least at the federal level, allows medical professionals to talk about and potentially use some of these products. With that said, there is a little caveat. Certain states have put their foot down and the FDA is still not giving us really good information or really solid information on how to interpret these new laws. So we're still a little bit in a conundrum, but at least at the federal level, products coming from hemp plants are legal. And again, it's going to be state by state until we get some really good legislation written and better interpretation from the FDA and certainly the USDA as well. So what do we do when an owner, a pet owner says to us, oh, I am using X product or I'm using my own medicinal marijuana. How do we educate pet owners on the difference between these different chemicals and compounds? Sure. I think the best thing that we can do as practitioners, whether we're a technician or a veterinarian, we all swore to take this oath to protect your pet and protect the consumer, which is the owner. And regardless of our feelings or understanding on things, I think it is, you know, our responsibility to learn about this as much as possible. And in the, and in the least, what we can do as practitioners is ask owners why they want to use these cannabis products. You know, maybe there is a more typical pharmaceutical drug that can uh, produce the same effects or maybe even better effects without the, the legal question, right? The other thing that we can do as practitioners and certainly as owners, I tell owners this all the time, whenever you want to use a product Because this is unregulated, we need to choose a safe product. And the only real way that we can choose a safe product at this point is for asking for a piece of documentation, and it's called a certificate of analysis. And this should be done by a third-party laboratory. And on the certificate of analysis, we should have things broken down for us so that we as a consumer and the practitioners can understand. So it should have a cannabinoid profile. So how much THC, how much CBD, how much of these other cannabinoids are actually in this product. The other thing that we should look for on the COA is called a terpenoid profile. So how many terpenes are in this product as well? And those are the part of the plant when you smell a marijuana plant or you smell someone, you know, smoking a joint on the street What you're smelling is not THC or CBD, you're smelling these terpenes in there. And those are important because they work synergistically, they work as friends with these cannabinoids, things like CBD, to make them work better. So we want to see a terpenoid profile on there. We also want to see 
a bacterial or a pathogen report on the COA as well to make sure that we're not giving our pets some nasty bacteria that can be growing in these products. Because a lot of times they're putting them in other types of oils, maybe it's fish oil, maybe it's vegetable oil or whatnot. So we can get buildup of nasty things that can actually make our pets more sick. And then we also want to look for a fungicide and a pesticide analysis. So when they grow these hemp plants or these marijuana plants, all these really important molecules, these chemicals that we want to see the therapeutic effect from actually grow on the outside of the plant. And obviously, if you spray something with pesticides or fungicides, you can't necessarily just wash those pesticides and, and fungicides off like we do our vegetables because we would lose all of those important molecules. And so what we want to do is make sure we're not contaminating our pet or yourself if you're taking these products with these harmful chemicals. The other thing that we want to look for is called an elemental analysis. So the cannabis plants are really good at absorbing things from their environment. They actually use them to clean soil to an extent. And so we want to make sure we don't have heavy metal contamination in there. So looking for things like lead. So all of this testing sounds really expensive. And I think the hard thing is because this is such a hot topic right now, what if a company doesn't provide this information? Or are there a lot of companies that actually have this on their website? Or do we have to do a lot of research to be able to find if it's a appropriate product or not, or a safe product? Sure. So a lot of companies, especially the reputable ones, will either have their certificate of analysis on their website or if you as a customer reach out to them and say, hey, can I see the certificate of analysis? They should be able to provide you one. If they don't provide you with one or they give you some sort of story about it being a proprietary blend, I just wouldn't use the product. Any reputable company should be able to give you the certificate of analysis. The other thing that we can kind of look for as well is if you go to the FDA website, you can actually search for companies that have maybe received letters from the FDA. And what we're seeing is there was a most recent study done with, with Penn and the FDA showing that 70% of the products out there don't have cannabinoid profiles that match what the label says, which is really, really alarming. So there are some pretty shady companies out there. So for extra due diligence, you can certainly go to the FDA website and make sure the company you're interested in doesn't have any of these letters. But scared me so much because even veterinary professionals are not necessarily aware of the difference between THC and certain cannabinoids. And so for that reason, I think a lot of people were paranoid that some of these cannabinoid products were going to result in, quote, marijuana poisoning. I also think the hard thing is we also got an email from the FDA stating a lot of these products didn't actually have the measured amount of cannabinoids in there. So again, it does emphasize you do have to be your own pet advocate and your own advocate for yourself. And it's also important to make sure that there's scientific backed up data behind the product to make sure it's safe for your pet. Now, what if, have you ever seen any side effects from giving a dog or a cat cannabis? And more importantly, what are some of the benefits that are published that are out there regarding it? Sure. So this is a big conversation. And, you know, one thing that has unfortunately been kind of perpetuated in veterinary medicine is that we don't necessarily have a lot of research. And, you know, I definitely am a contrarian when it comes to that. You know, there's actually thousands of scientific papers out there. A lot of them are in lab animal species. But what people forget is lab animal species also includes dogs and cats. So we do have some really good 
tox studies on different cannabinoids out there. And, you know, some of the tox studies specifically, we don't have an established what's called a lethal dose or an LD50 for animals and even humans at this point. What we're thinking or what we're suggesting is that lethal dose might be more than 9,000 milligrams per kilogram of THC for our animals. But again, we just don't have proof of that because we have studies going up to 3000 milligrams per kilogram, and it wasn't killing the dogs that were in those studies. We also have a recent study that was put out by the British Journal of Pharmacology in 2018 by Dr. Wally et al. And what they were actually doing was giving uh, 27 milligrams per kilogram of THC combined with 25 milligrams per kilogram of CBD to dogs over 56 weeks. So this is a long-term study and we didn't see any seizures or any of the really, really scary things that we would expect to see from THC toxicity specifically. But what we did see and something that we can see with products on the market right now are some other central nervous system side effects such as being really sleepy or being just hypoactive in general. If we have high doses of THC, by chance, we can see some ataxia or some wobblingness or not able to necessarily walk appropriately, and certainly some dribbling of urine as well. But I think these studies are coming out, and it's really, really nice to show us that we can use these products safely and just not necessarily be scared of them. We do have some other studies. Uh, one was done by the company that you mentioned I consult for, and it was done out of Cornell University in collaboration with Alvet Sciences. And that was done by Dr. Joseph Washlock's lab. And what they did was a study looking at the pharmacokinetics of these particular molecules, in particular, a CBD product, and trying to find out an appropriate dose for alleviating symptoms related to arthritis in older dogs. And what they found was a two milligram per kilogram dose twice a day seemed effective for over 80% of the dogs in that study. And what's also really nice about that study is some of the dogs in that study were definitely geriatric and they were on non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs as well. And we always get concerned about toxicity with non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, especially when given chronically. And we found that CBD and the, the non-steroidals didn't have any adverse reactions. What's interesting about that as well is Dr. Don Booth, she is doing some studies and looking at CBD levels and THC levels in dogs and cats and horses. And what she's finding is even though we have these theoretical drug interactions, we're just not really seeing that in clinical medicine. I would say the most common drug interaction that we're seeing is with pain medications, things like gabapentin, maybe even tramadol. And in combination with CBD products, the animals are sleepy for a few weeks and then their body figures out how to metabolize them appropriately. And then they're not so sleepy anymore. And they're, they're getting the benefit of both drugs at the same time with no other side effects. There's another study that was published last summer from Dr. McGrath's lab out of Colorado State University, and they were doing a similar thing as to what was done at Cornell, doing a PK study, and they used much higher dosages in their dogs. They went up to 20 milligrams per kilogram and found that there was really no huge concerning side effects. In both studies, we did see an increase of a liver enzyme called the ALP, 
But what we found was over time that normalized, and we think that's related to how the, the liver actually metabolizes these molecules. And again, once it figures it out, it goes back to normal and it's not a concern anymore. Christine, you bring up a lot of important points. I should say Dr. Dawn Booth is a really well-known veterinary pharmacologist for those of you guys who don't know her. And so I'm excited to see some of her research come out. I will also say as a toxicologist, when I do see a true marijuana poisoning, so a dog ate a joint or ate buds or ate baked goods, then we can definitely see poisoning from it. And again, that's hopefully different from the cannabinoids. But I think the key thing that you brought up is as a toxicologist, I don't advocate for medicinal marijuana because we don't know the toxic dose. We don't know the LD50 necessarily. And so it is a little bit hard, but the good thing is dogs rarely die from true marijuana poisoning. Um, it needs a lot of supportive care. Dogs can develop symptoms at really low doses. But again, that's totally different from cannabis products. And so right. really important that we be able to differentiate that. We'll continue with this really important topic right after these messages from our sponsors. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Suds shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we are talking about the use of medicinal cannabinoids in veterinary patients, dogs and cats, and really excited to be able to be talking to Stephen about this, who is really world-renowned in this. He's a co-founder of the Veterinary Cannabis Academy. And so I think the important takeaway right now is marijuana is different than the medicinal cannabinoids that we're talking about. It's so important that you make sure you're using a safe product. So consulting with your veterinarian, because there are some products out there, as we've discussed, that may not have the appropriate or accurate amount of cannabis that they advertise. And the FDA has reported this also. And you can find it when you Google FDA cannabinoids. So please be aware the information is out there. And Stephen's given us some great tips on how, if you do want to consider this, you can find an appropriate product. So again, as a toxicologist, I did want to bring up Again, this is totally different from marijuana poisoning. And I think some veterinarians have seen the article that was published uh, several years ago now, gosh, almost a uh, little more than half a decade, when Colorado decriminalized medicinal marijuana in humans. And as a result, they saw a dramatic increase in marijuana poisoning in dogs. A human pediatrician out of Colorado, I believe Wang and all, also published that they were seeing significant poisoning in young children. And it was young kids less than two that had severe clinical signs. And that's because dogs and children don't realize that if people bake with marijuana, like pot butter 
or pop brownies. It looks the same to them as a regular baked good. So unfortunately, we as veterinary professionals were seeing a huge spike in poisoning. Again, this is totally different from a reputable company that is selling cannabis. So again, make sure you're doing your research. What did they find in that study from Colorado that has that so worried, Stephen? Yeah, so the study, I think that was done in 2012, looked at at least 125 THC toxicity cases. And what really stands out, of course, is two of the animals in that review study died, which is, you know, obviously alarming. But what's important to note and what what you certainly mentioned is the two dogs that died in that study, one of them ate six chocolate chip cookies made with marijuana. And then the other one, (laughs) the other dog, it must have been a lab or something, ate a pan of brownies. And so not only do we have the toxicity from the THC, but we have a co-toxicity with the chocolate. And we all know as pet parents and practitioners that chocolate can be very dangerous for, for some of these animals. And unfortunately, it looks like those animals were found later in their stages of their toxicity and unfortunately weren't able to be saved. You know, the other thing that we're seeing, and again, as you mentioned, is other types of edibles things like gummies or candies where they're actually using xylitol. And we know that xylitol can be really, really deadly to small animals. So, you know, we have to be super cautious if we're going to be consuming these recreational items or, or medicinal items in our home to keep them away from our pets and our kids. But we also need to understand, just as you had alluded to, we don't know what that LD50 is for things like THC or even CBD. And we just have to be careful of co-toxicity. You know, unfortunately, dogs love to eat a whole container of of pot brownies. So again, you always want to keep baked goods out of reach. The biggest fatalities I've seen have actually been with marijuana butter or pot butter. And so in that CSU paper, the two dogs that unfortunately died, in my opinion, if there weren't financial limitations, they were savable because we could have put them on a respirator. We could have, you know, breathed for them for 24, 48 hours. And a lot of these patients will recover, but it can be, you know, three to $5,000 just for 24 hours of being on a respirator. And so again, in that paper, I do believe it was pop butter that was really, really dangerous. And so I treat these really aggressively. And that's because marijuana is what we call fat soluble. So it likes to be in butter and it likes to distribute into your tissue really easily. And same exact thing with dogs. When they get into it, it distributes into their fat really quickly, resulting in clinical signs. And Stephen already talked about some of these clinical signs, but it's walking drunk. It's being really sedate. It's having a life-threateningly slow heart rate or not breathing well, being comatose or even vomiting and inhaling that vomit. I will say that when I see a dog dribbling urine, that's a classic sign for marijuana poisoning for me. But there are also some dogs, and it always seems like smaller dogs in my opinion, that get kind of wiggity or jittery from marijuana. So I would say clinically, I see 50% of dogs being comatose, 50% being jittery. Again, totally different than using cannabinoids. And I think this is really important to keep in mind. My stance used to be, nah, I don't believe in it because we don't even know what the toxic dose is. But I will share when my own 19 and a half year old cat was diagnosed with a really aggressive type of cancer in the mouth called squamous cell carcinoma. I did actually have them on really strong opioids, a pain medication called buprenorphine. I had them on gabapentin, which is a pain medication you had talked about before. And I did actually try uh, cannabinoid in them. Again, it did not have any THC in it. 
and I can't say for sure if it helped. He was a little bit sedate from his other medications too, but he ate till the end. So again, please talk to your veterinarian about this. There is information out there. And again, Stephen, if you could just leave us with one or two more tidbits on what they should be asking for from these companies and what they should be specifically looking for, because we want to make sure their pets are safe. And then after you talk about those, I was wondering if you could bring it home with what do I have to worry about may also be in that oil besides cannabinoids? Sure. Yeah. So the number one thing I can recommend to pet owners is ask for a certificate of analysis that encompasses what type of cannabinoids are in the product, what type of terpenes are in the product, a pesticide and a fungicide analysis, bacterial growth or the potential for other pathogens growing in there, and an elemental analysis. I also want to stress, because there is a potential for drug interaction, if you decide to put your pet on a cannabis product, please have that conversation with your vet so we know if there is side effects from mixing these two drugs together. Maybe your pet isn't thriving as well on all of these drugs together. Your vet needs to be involved in that. Don't be scared of telling your vet that your, your animal is on a cannabis product. I think that's really, really important. And then lastly, when it comes to other scary things that could potentially be in these products, one of the scary thing is you're spending potentially a lot of money on these products and they may not have, as Dr. Lee and I have talked about, anything in them. The other thing that we might see is maybe really, really low levels or what would be considered micro dosing. So I would say a majority of the products that I see on the market right now are only four milligram to 10 milligram per milliliter or per CC, which maybe isn't a therapeutic effect. And so, you know, we want to get a higher concentration. And then we also want to look out for other crazy things. I am seeing things like oxytocin, which is a drug that we give pregnant animals that are having trouble with labor to push out their babies. I am seeing crazy things like uh, a little bit of alcohol or mixing them with steroids or mixing them with caffeine, which are not things that we want to be giving our animals. So we have to be very cautious. If you want to use these things, ask for a certificate of analysis, make sure it doesn't have any other crazy stuff in there. And certainly if you have any questions, you can always go to a website. Would you mind if I mention it, Dr. Lee? Please do. And also please mention your website too. So people can go to your website too. Sure. So if you're a pet parent and really interested in cannabis, and maybe your veterinarian isn't quite comfortable talking about it, you can go to a website called veterinarycannabis.org. And there they have trained veterinary counselors. Most of us are technician specialists or DVMs, and we even have an oncologist now that can help talk to you about proper and safe use of these products. And we will also maintain an open relationship with your veterinarian so everyone is aware of the full medical picture of your pet. And then my personal website, if you get bored, is www.stephensital.com. It's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-C-I-T-A-L.com. Thank you so much. Incredible information. And I think it's so important that as pet owners and veterinary professionals, that we advocate for responsible use and appropriate use of safe products to be able to provide our pet owners lots of options. Stephen, thank you so much for your fantastic information. Thank you for having me. Again, don't forget to go to Stephen's website at 
stephensatal.com and he has one tab specifically on cannabis. So again, if you have any questions, you can always schedule a consult through www.veterinarycannabis.org. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to give a huge shout out again to Stephen for being on the show. Also, a huge shout out to Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.